Uh, so my name is Annalise. I'm also known as the Bitcoin Queen. Um, I am very predominant in the Miami community. That's kind of where I have built my staple. And what I do, I do uh, kind of a little bit of everything under the sun regarding blockchain, um, from education to community events. Um, I work with uh, several companies, including one of my main projects right now, which is BitFossil. Uh, we do NFT technologies and community engagement uh, across the entire Miami community, but also we're working on doing it um, just uh, across the United States and eventually global. This. This, 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 this is Diversified, diversified, diversified game, 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 game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey! It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have royalty in the building on Zoom. I have the Bitcoin Queen. Yes, you might have seen her on Instagram. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw her on The Breakfast Club coming up. You know, she is making Bitcoin in Florida during these crazy, unpredictable times look great and hopeful. So welcome, Bitcoin Queen. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? All is blessed. Now, you know, I, I just want to know because Bitcoin, it's the rave, it's the this, it's the that. Um, I'll tell you later about, you know, how I feel about cryptocurrency. But I want to know, you know, why did you get into crypto? Why Bitcoin? And is Bitcoin the only crypto that you invest in? So uh, the answer is no uh, to crypto, to Bitcoin being the only crypto I invest in. Uh, Bitcoin is the only crypto I hold long term. Um, and that's very important. Um, but how did I get into this? So I went to school for health and I wanted to become a doctor. Um, but after figuring out how the healthcare system worked and like all the stuff in between, it kind of um, turned me off. Um, I actually started like volunteering at hospitals since I was like 14. So I was like super into it. And uh, along the way, I had came across uh, a friend who introduced me to um, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and everything that was going on. Um, I had heard of GameCoin back in 2014, um, but I didn't really get into this space until uh, late 2016, uh, 2017. That's uh, toward, more towards that like bull run. I was, I was learning about the subject matter 2016, uh, a little bit 2017, and then actually made the jump um, late 2017 going into 2018. So uh, yeah, it was uh, someone who taught me, and I actually been full time in the space probably for the past four years now. Um, I decided to leave the health industry as a whole. Uh, I was a health insurance agent uh, at the time. Um, I was in the middle of college. I was probably like 20 years old, and I just left the industry as a whole and decided to go full fledged into this uh, crypto stuff. And um, yeah, I've been here ever since. Now, I, I want to make it like real plain for people who say you did this full time because I remember um, it was some years back. My, my mother-in-law, she was like, you know, until I lived with you guys for some time, I used to just think you always just played on the computer. Like I didn't she like I think she thought I was, uh, you know, just playing, bumming it. And somehow, you know, money just appeared. What does a full time 
Bitcoin um, specialist, queen. What does your day look like? You know, try to explain that to someone who has never mined for, you know, their crypto or never maybe even bought crypto. What do you do? Is it all on the computer? Are you going to have meetings? What does it look like? So um, I think the most important thing to understand is that um, Bitcoin specifically is a product built on top of that. Uh, and what the blockchain community in general, what that is as a whole, is industries built on top of tech. Real estate built on top of tech. Finance built on top of the tech. Um, the tech to, you know, it's like core is just basically something that's supposed to be uh, immutable. It's supposed to never change. It's supposed to always be right. Uh, so, for example, um, elections. Election fraud seems to be something that's run rampant. If you build a blockchain, to always record all these votes that are being put in. If anything changes, it's very visible. It's visible to the public. And at that point in time, um, you can then detect fraud. Uh, so it's just it's just a concept built on top of uh, something that can never be uh, destroyed if it's centralized. Because if it's something that's, uh, well, not even necessarily destroyed, never destroyed if it's, um, I'm sorry, meant decentralized. Uh, because what happens is if, if something is located in more than one place, which is kind of how Bitcoin works, it's located in more than one place, um, it can never be taken offline just by you know going down and burning a building or burning a server. Um, if something is located in multiple places, it will always live on as long as the longest record and the community reaches consensus of the longest record, and that is a record that's right. Um, so it's, it really gives power back to people, which is why I love Bitcoin so much. Um, in I was listening to the other day, I think uh, Cyprus, one day, um, if you had over $100,000 in your bank account, uh, so this applies to like, anyone who's wealthy in Cyprus, basically, um, the, the Cyprus government took half of that. They left your first 100000 alone. Everything after that, they took half um, because the country went into debt. And... It's crazy that that can theoretically happen to, you know, even people here in America. Um, if the government said, hey, we're going to take half of uh, what everyone's got over a certain amount because we're poor. They could do that because technically it's their money. It's their tender. Um, you can't do that with Bitcoin. No one knows, you know, act, no one has access to that account. No one can get in that account. Only you and whoever, if anyone else has your private keys. Um, so my day to day life, um, and it depends, you know, depending on who's in, who is in the industry, because it would vary for a developer. I know developers who travel the country with a laptop um, and a battery. They like have these uh, portable batteries. They sit on the side of a canyon, plug in their laptop, and code. Um, it's then that's basically at your fingertips, and they built everything from Zoom to WhatsApp to any app on your phone. Um, so that's that one is. You can you can hear any story from a developer. From my standpoint, um, I do a lot of advising and managing. Um, I used to be uh, very heavy in creating as well, uh, using the Adobe Suite. Sometimes I do graphics because I do a lot of marketing for some companies. Um, so my day-to-day -day can be Zoom meetings. They can be in-person meetings. They can also be events here in Miami. Um, I throw in conferences. I throw meetups. Uh, it really depends on um, what my ventures have been planned out for that day. Um, but that's, that's pretty much a, a day in the life of uh, what I do. Um, but I do have an office here out of Wynwood uh, in my town in Miami, the art district. So you can find me there if I'm in, uh, you know, roaming around in town working. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Now, you know, you say nobody can take the crypto and somebody getting into this for, you know, 
for the first time could say, wait, but I read in CNN that 249 million was seized in the UK. So can you talk about how that seizure, uh, you know, um, could come about or how people get crypto stolen all the time? You know, crypto gets stolen all the time, B. Um, so how does that happen and how can people protect themselves from that happening to them? Yeah. So when um, when well, first, when crypto gets uh, stolen and or seized or taken or a hack happens, those are usually things that happen on exchanges or swaps. And that means that those exchanges and swaps had uh, vulnerabilities to uh, uh, cybersecurity. That means their cybersecurity was bad um, and their platform wasn't necessarily built. Um, I mean, it could be built on blockchain, but uh, and this is where you've had conversations like uh, where Ethereum, where they were going to reverse a block, but the community said no, because you know, it's not, not how blockchain works. Um, uh, and there's, uh, I think the, mo the biggest hack of recently was this $600 million um, from uh, Polygon. And they, they wrote a letter. It was kind of funny. They wrote a letter online because they, they knew who the person was. The person, I think, honestly, I think it was a, either a kid or someone who's like brand new, someone who was like a good hacker and they got lucky or whatever it was. But they, they stole this lump sum of money. And then um, the network on Twitter uh, posted a letter saying, uh, you know, dear hacker, please return the funds. Uh, we have reported this. This will not be good for you. And like, probably a few hours later, they got his IP address and everything. So <laughs> you got to really be careful when you're doing that. But, um, but yeah, it's, those are breaches uh, that people find bugs in the systems that, that they are able to kind of like take advantage of the code. And that's what's called black hat hacking. Um, there's white hat hackers, which kind of like help a lot of this stuff uh, not happen. And then there's the black hat guys, which are the ones who like do hacking and stuff like that. Um, so that's on a enterprise level. Uh, on a personal level, um, there's a few ways you can get hacked, uh, whether somebody kind of like is in your <laughs> Wi-Fi router. So there's people who set up fake Wi-Fis and or can uh, basically hack into your Wi-Fi router at your home and uh, keystroke you, which is they read the everything you type. They, they can like see all your passwords and stuff. So, you know, that's bad. Um, other than that, you really can't get hacked unless someone has your private keys. If someone has your private keys at that point in time or your seed phrase, they can retrieve your wallet from anywhere. That's why it's super important that you keep that information to yourself. You keep it safe. Um, I know a lot of people have hot wallets on their phone. You're not supposed to screenshot it because technically other apps can um, see that. So if you download a malicious app, they can. Uh, you're giving them permission to basically look through your phone. And if they see something like that, they might take it. Um, so there, there's, you know, just, just certain ways to stay safe. Um, always write down your seed word or seed phrase, private key. Um, keep it offline. Keep it in a, you know, safe stored place somewhere where someone's not going to try to come and, and steal your stuff. Because there's really no other way to actually like get hacked um, or for stuff to get seized, quote unquote. Um, now, if the government's getting involved, that might be a different story. And that also can be affected by if you hold your coins on a custodian exchange. Um, so exchanges that set up in here in the U.S. technically have to adhere to, uh, you know, the, the powers <laughs> that are letting them adhere to here in the U.S. Um, so if the... SEC says, hey, this guy is using, um, you know, this cryptocurrency for money laundering or whatever. And they, you know, they hit the exchange and they, they see that you have a wallet because they can see the money going to and from an account. And they see you have a wallet that's uh, hooked up to, uh, you know, a bank account that they deem fraudulent. 
um, they can then seize your assets. That that would be at that point in time they can seize it because they the exchange like Binance, US, or Coinbase has to adhere to what the government is saying. Um, that that would be the only other way. But uh, you know if you're not doing any illicit activity and trading through common exchanges um, and or being reckless with your uh, security, then you're, you should be. Fine. Okay, no, that's that, that's awesome. And I, I tell people. You know, hacking is hacking because and, and I and I don't use the the, you know, the black hackers, white because all the, the good guys were former bad guys. You got to learn how to do it first. And it's all illegal. Yeah. And then then That's some you, bounties. there's companies that pay a lot of these hackers to break their stuff and find these things. And they'll, they'll be like, oh, like, hey, you get, you know, thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars in Ethereum, too, or, you know. They, they pay them to find these breaches so that uh, they're not vulnerable to someone, you know, stealing like 600 million or something like that. It takes a wolf to catch a wolf, uh, in the words of Denzel Washington yeah. training day, you know, line. So in all of this, it starts off illegal, but you're curious, especially as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, of how things work and how to break the game. And, 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 I, and I just know how you can fail in a subject <laughs> in middle school, but you can be a, a, a genius on that computer. So parents, please find your kids joy and what they do and, and find a way to, you know, make it work for them. Now, let me, you are a woman in crypto. Um, you know, I, I've learned out here in South Florida that I can't call everybody black, but I know that there's some Afro something in you, whether you're an Afro Latina or this and that, we can trace the lineage to somebody's tribe in one of the 54 so-called countries in Africa on the continent. How is it being a woman in crypto where you're probably around a bunch of, you know, male nerds uh, for the majority of the time? Uh, Personally, I enjoy it because it, well, I don't know, a lot of these nerds, they kind of like, uh, I don't want to say they're they're not intimidated. Some of them, um, some of them can be like very like uh, introverted. But I'm I'm a talker. Uh, I'm a community person. So I I think we did Crypto Mondays uh, just this week, and we decided to do that at karaoke bar. And we were just all singing, and like it was really enjoyable just seeing uh, like convincing them to go up there, and and you know <laughs> they couldn't sing, but just like building up the courage. Because what happens is you end up building a tribe. Um, of people in the community. And that's kind of like probably the easiest way to understand what's going on, getting, revolving yourself around people who understand what's going on um, and also the best way to do business. Uh, so I never really felt uh, intimidated. I think online is probably the worst between, um, you know, uh, scammers impersonating you, but also uh, guys who, uh, or hiding behind avatars, mostly on Twitter. People like to be crop top on Twitter. Um, but, you know, people hiding behind avatars and they don't know who you are. They don't know what you do and they might like say something or two. But it doesn't happen very often. I think um, because I'm a woman and, I, and people see me trying so hard and doing so much. And um, if you know, you know. Uh, I think uh, it kind of gives me a little bit of leverage just because it, you know, they, I'm, it's like 90 to 10 percent. Uh, 80 to 20%. I think Bitcoin 2021 was like 80% male and like 20% woman or something like that. Um, and like the ratio is very off, uh, but it's not like I don't, I don't pressure women in general to like even get into this space. I encourage everyone to learn about um, finances and how money works and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it takes a special kind of person to be here. 
Um, not everyone can do this, and that's the same thing with any trade. Tech is is very specific, um, but I mean, I enjoy it. I've never had any crazy negative backlash um, regarding anything. Uh, just trolls online saying like, "Oh, look at all these e girls coming into this," you know, something like that, something derogatory. But other than that, in, in person, when people get to know you and they see you and you guys get to have fun, it's it's a completely different um, vibe. And I, I don't know, girls girls are kind of dramatic sometimes. <laughs> And I, I just, I, I kind of bond with the guys better anyways. Um, I'm kind of reckless. I like to be outside and climb trees and do all that jazz. So it, it, we kind of click there. <laughs> okay. No, that that's awesome because it's great that, you know, everybody, even if you just come in from a 20 year bid in prison, you could jump into crypto and nobody can stop you at least yet. Absolutely. And and it's people like yourself, correct me if I'm wrong, who you have a you know way of teaching people and it's a paid way, people. It's not for free, you know, um, that you're teaching. Well, people. my so community events yeah. are usually free. So if you want to come to those, come out. <laughs> <laughs> OK, OK. But but tell the people, you know, um, how does it start, you know, learning from you? Because people get intimidated, especially the older you get. You know, people get intimidated of learning something new and thinking I'm not a math whiz. So I'm scared to even, you know, contact the Bitcoin queen because she's going to call me an idiot. Uh, well, it's not about math. Uh, it's about basic finances, um, especially if we're, we're just talking about um, Bitcoin. And then there's an entire industry called DeFi. Um, so, so again, when it comes to, to Bitcoin um, uh, specifically, it's just like think gold, but just uh, on a computer. Like how much gold is there? You don't know. Um, you don't know. But if we dig deeper into the earth, we can find more. And um, that's the thing. It's, it's the scarcity um, behind Bitcoin that really drives its value. One and two, it's the people deciding that it's worth something that also drives its value. It's not, oh, well, we're backed by war or we're backed by, you know, whatever. You know, it's so it's, it's become we went from the, the gold standard to uh, paper nodes and banks needing to have a certain percentage to them now needing to have nothing in the back end and can lend out as much as they want, um, which is called the infinite money printer, as we like to um, refer to it in the crypto community. But um, that's that's kind of the beauty of Bitcoin. That, in, uh, that inflation mechanism doesn't exist in Bitcoin. It's deflationary by default, um, and that naturally makes it rise in price. And the scarcity between the scarcity, um, the mining process, and then also uh, the utility that's been added over the years, it's it's all worth it. Um, and it's just under it's just a, a better money, a better uh, way of investing. The richest people throughout time we've seen they make their money work for them. They don't work for their money. Um, so if you can just switch that mindset, and you'll you'll understand Bitcoin um, a little better. You'll understand it as buying a stock if you want to relate it that way. Or you'll understand it as um, buying an asset. These are this is an asset that you can uh, in either invest and or um, exchange for your current method of payment. So you can pay things in Bitcoin. Um, I have, for example, uh, I have uh, my Fold card, which is my card that I use every day um, instead of using my bank card. Um, and every time I make a purchase, I spin a wheel and it pays me in sacks. So over the past nine months, I think I've made nine hundred dollars in um, Bitcoin just swiping my card. Um, and I paid, I paid 150 for the year, but if I made 900 off it, 
there's that, you know, that differentiator right there. And like that one, there's a lot more apps out there. I think even Coinbase did a Coinbase Earn where they would pay you to learn about crypto. Like there's a lot of like things out there where if you're scared of buying it and you don't understand, go get it. It's free. There's there's things out there that will give it to you for free. So uh, it's just it's just about honestly, it's, the education is the barrier entry. And it's much easier when you decide to sit down and learn about it than um, make excuses and not. How concerned are you that just like solar panels, the government, you know, if you're inside the city limits and you have solar panels, you still have to be on the, the grid, right? You're not off the grid. You just have solar panels uh, versus a home. If you have in Africa and you have solar panels, you're totally off the grid. Or if you live in rural America, you possibly could be off the grid. Crypto, and I'm talking even before Bitcoin, I'm old school. You know, I, I'm, I'm older than you, I know, even though I know the black doesn't crack folks, I get it. But I can remember a hash cash. And I know that, crypto used to, oh, that's for the criminals. What are y'all doing? That's the dark web. And now the government is saying on your taxes, claim what you have. And it's like, hold on. This is not what crypto was about. So how concerned are you that the government is so into crypto, you know, wants to come out with their own coins and wants to regulate it? You think that crypto will always be what it once was or will it be just like you know swiping your your card and swiping um and they're regulating it and you're having to pay tax on it um you see that kind of bothers me so let me just ask the question and shut up but <laughs> give us the game uh so regulation is is very interesting and i actually remember um the year that they had added that whole solar panel thing to to vote in, in here in Florida specifically, um, I remember going to vote no for it because they're like, if you have a solar panel, you have to remain on the grid and pay us. And I was like, oh, no. Um, but it's so government's getting into cryptocurrency. Um, so there's there's I wish it was good, but it's evil. Um, and I'll tell you why. What happens is now you have the opportunity to exclude um, an entire community from playing in an ecosystem. Because uh, that's essentially what you do when you create a cryptocurrency. You kind of can tell it where to go, what to do, et cetera, depending on how it's done. If it's centralized, which would be the case in the government, if CBDCs, if banks, were able to make their own cryptocurrencies, which is usually what the government does. They um, basically like private label anything that they have. For example, the Federal Reserve is not actually part of the government. It's a private entity that the government works with. Um, same thing with a, um, a post office and a lot of every, anything that you see that you think is like federal, it's not actually federal. Um, so that's one. So what, what, what my, I think is gonna happen because the U.S. is uh, on a race to make a digital dollar because uh, China made a digital dollar. And I think they're in the beta mode. I think they were they gave out a million uh, of their uh, digital dollar out to like their citizens and they're doing a beta program. Um, but two things are going to happen because one, they're not trying to make this digital dollar a part of the current um, monetary supply that's circulating. It's going to be its own thing. Um, so, like, my theory is this is how they're going to cancel out, you know, some of that debt that they owe. Um, they're going to mint these currencies and they're going to work out a deal with the Fed and they're going to give them X amount of these currencies, which they can print <laughs> at their will. Um, and that's going to cancel out some of the debt. 
because it's not included in that supply. And then the next question is, well, what's it backed by? Well, the same thing the dollar is backed by. Nothing. <laughs> so um, that's one. And then uh, two, uh, back to withholding people from ecosystems. Um, so the same way that you can blacklist a Bitcoin. So, if, Bitcoin, so if, uh, if cryptocurrency is seized from an exchange, if a hacker gets it, you can um, they can get it. But what can happen is, depending on what crypto it is, if it's Bitcoin, if it's uh, Tether, um, uh, which one's the other one, uh, USDC, they can blacklist it. Uh, so basically they can see, okay, which coins does this person steal? Uh, all right, it's, it's this code, this hash, and they'll put a block on it. So if it touches any exchange, um, it will give them an alert and say, hey, this person, this is a blacklisted Bitcoin, and it'll give them all the details. Um, and at that point in time, I, I mean, I hope you're not the one who stole <laughs> the Bitcoins because that would be bad for you. Um, but um, you can exclude someone from an ecosystem like that. So uh, I don't know how they're going to, you know, let's say distribute this dollar, but if, you know, you're not, let's say, a U.S. citizen and you don't have a bank account that's connected and verified and they know exactly who you are, they could exclude you from the ecosystem. Uh, and there is a huge, you know, like even like uh, immigration like community, even here in Miami, that could be excluded from the ecosystem if that's where if that is how it works. Uh, you know, just one example, but it's not necessarily the best thing, in my opinion. Um, now there's countries like El Salvador who decided to just implement Bitcoin as a legal form of payment. It's a legal tender there now, um, which I'm waiting for tax season to see what happens because you can't technically tax foreign currency. So uh, just just we're going to see what happens there. I'm really interested to see how this plays out and, and who tries to uh, say, hey, government can't tax me for my Bitcoin no more. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that government getting into um, crypto is the best thing, in my opinion. Uh, having a digital dollar, you know, that's all cool and dandy, but I think it, it might, uh, it might not, just, they, they probably don't know what they're doing. Uh, they're probably going to try to private something out. They're, they're going to work with either, you know, Coinbase, which is basically a bank at this point in time, because they work with the banks, um, and they're going to try to do it their way but my my fear is is the exclusion of people there's still billions of people out there without bank accounts and and it's it's going to exclude a population um cash is cool but it's inflationary and it, you can't actually uh, reinvest uh you can't make money off cash you have to invest it somewhere banks don't keep cash they invest it so that's my that's my thoughts <laughs> And what about your thoughts on, you know, there was a popular influencer um, actually this week who was arrested in Miami, um, who was teaching crypto. He didn't get arrested because of crypto. But do you think that folks should there should be some type of regulation on who can teach it? Because, you know, you can't even go to an elementary school and just teach. And, you know, there's different organizations that you have to have a license to teach something but we see so many influencers saying i can teach you about crypto and then you listen and you're like okay you know how to say the crypto names but you don't really understand what crypto is about and i can tell by the way you talk about it and how you boast how everyone's going to become a crypto millionaire overnight um which means everybody's a millionaire so nobody's a millionaire from what a millionaire really means right so what do you think about having regulations on who can teach it or how do people vet this person knows what they're talking about. Um, so, so like, I mean, the most important thing when you're getting into this space is DYOR, do your own research. 
Um, and that's mostly because you will get false profits. And, but that's with any industry, um, in my uh, honest opinion. So I don't think that it should be regulated uh, personally. I don't think regulation is always the answer. Um, what I do think is that if, if you're seriously thinking about joining something um, or looking into something, one, don't pay for education right up front unless it's coming from a university, an accredited you know, company, something, something of that nature. If somebody's coming and saying like, hey, I'll teach you how to trade and do this and you're going to make this and it's going to be this much money a month. Um, chances are they're either recruiting you to uh, potentially, you know, some kind of MLM kind of situation or, you know, they're actually not going to really teach you how to trade. They might like throw a program at you and that's not always the best um, way to do things. Uh, best ways to do things is to go home, sit down, uh, go on Google. Well, don't go on Google, go on DuckDuckDo, go and search something and just look at the basics and understand the basics because um, there's there's free resources out there that already exist. And if those resources that you look up in those five, 10 minutes that you took don't really match up with whatever you heard that day, then at that point in time, you, you realize like, okay, you know, this person's a fraud. Um, but, but that's the issue. And even, even if it is someone who is, you know, reputable and knowledgeable and you see them online, uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, there's impersonators, there's people who pretend to be these, you know, influencers that you think are leading you uh, down the right path and then they would ask you for money and you give them to them and it turns out it's not them and they scam you. So at the end of the day, uh, one, trust no one but yourself when you're in this industry uh, just because uh, it is new and now we're getting to the point where there's colleges that offer uh, entire degrees on a blockchain technology and you know crypto. Uh, me personally, I took a, a course, I think two summers ago at UC Berkeley um, and it was just a blockchain course. Um, I, I not it, it's it's good. I, I was self-taught. I knew a lot. I knew a lot of people in the industry. I was working full time, but it's always good to like reinforce um, that knowledge and get it like, I guess, what's what's the term um, when you go to school? <laughs> get <it> the <laughs> right way. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, whatever that means, because whatever school. Yeah, whatever, whatever that's called and whatever school is. School is what yeah. you get out of it and what you put into structured, it, really. Structured, structured education. There you go. Structured education. We'll call it that. Getting some structured okay. education. Yeah. So um, it's cool to learn on yourself or by your own. Um, uh, eventually, if you want to get some structured education, go to a reputable source. Don't just go to someone who walked in the room and said, I'm going to teach you everything and you're going to learn how to trade. Um, because... Trading is probably the worst thing that you can do in cryptocurrency. It's only good to uh, long the market or short the market if you know it's going to go down or if you know for a fact that it's going to go up. Like if you see Bitcoin on a run and it's tearing, you know, like thousands of dollars a week, sure, go long the market. Other than that, you, you probably just shouldn't be trading, um, especially if you're in the U.S. because everything you do is a taxable event if it is on a centralized exchange. You're doing something on a DEX, um, something as popular as liquidity mining um, or providing liquidity to ex exchange, putting them in pools, and they'll give you other cryptos for, for doing that. And that, that's been a popular trend. Um, or flipping NFTs, that's also been a popular trend. But yeah, if you're, if you're going straight to trading, uh, you know, that's, that's your first red flag. You never go straight into trading. It's like trading Forex on, you know, like steroids. So it's, it's not, 
not the best thing to do. For, for someone, you know, who's listened and that's where the majority of the audience is, but maybe there are also some who are watching. Um, what do you what what do you like? How many hours in a day or in a week do you put in to be able to afford, you know, the lifestyle that you have? Because you guys links in the description, you'll see it's a beautiful lifestyle that she is living. But how many hours does it take? Because some folks will say, oh, you only work you know, four hour work week. Uh, and it's like, not, it's a good book, but most people, you know, even Tim works more than that. But um, how many hours do you put in, would you, uh, you know, guess? Um, so, I mean, it varies. Um, right now I'm working on probably like five projects that I, some, some of which I'm advising and they require less presence uh, than more. Um, some others that I'm working more diligently, uh, for example, BitBasel will be launching a gallery in Super Rare, and then we're also going to have an event on um, South Beach, September 7th. Uh, so that one's, you know, it's it's more present. It's going to launch soon. Um, so I want to say like mm, probably like 10, 15, 20 hours a week, depending on what's needed, um, just for that project. Uh, just working with different people, meetings, talking to artists, uh, making sure everything is like in the lines, marketing is up to par on their end. Um, uh, for other things, um, probably not so much. Um, so I, I also advise for a company, Quantify Crypto, um, and I do their business development. Um, I Anytime you know there's conferences or events, I, I kind of uh, bring them in, I make sure they you know meet the right people. Um, super, super smart guy, it's, it's a father-son uh, duo. Um, the son is a computer scientist uh, and the father is uh, probably like the top, like it, like he was the guy who built all his systems in the back end on Wall Street. This guy like is super freaking smart, um, but they don't necessarily know uh, everyone in this space and they don't know how to market themselves. So like that's where I come in and kind of introduce them to, you know, the people that are missing within the company and or putting them in the spotlight because they have a great product, just don't know how to, you know, push it out to the masses. Um, and it's getting to a point where we're getting ready to, you know, launch, um, basically go uh, public with the, what the project is doing and um, have a DEX and all that cool jazz that's going into the DeFi space. Um, so that doesn't require as much time, but um, as we probably go public and things start to like vamp up and events also opening up now, um, maybe that will require more time for me in the future. So it really depends on um, what's needed on which project. Uh, but, you know, if for, for someone who does mostly advising and consultation and occasionally graphic work, um, I mean, I have about an average 40 hour work week, but it's not, oh, I wake up at 9 a.m. and I get off work at 5. Uh, some days I'll wake up at 12, I'll go to the gym, I'll get on my computer, I'll work, I'll have some meetings. Maybe I'll take a call at the gym, maybe not. Maybe I don't decide to sleep, maybe I decide to just work through the night uh, and not sleep that night. Next day I won't work. You know, it's it's like it's kind of like I build my own schedule like as I please kind of situation unless you know I have a hard deadline for something. But it's 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 pretty lax in my opinion. It can be stressful um, just working against deadlines and things may not be adding up. But yeah. 
is is beautiful and i smile you guys you guys who are listening can probably even hear my smile see my smile because it's freedom and you're doing your purpose because a, a hard work week and a stressful work week is working at like fast food getting burnt by the grease and are you know working in the oil field i've done all these things folks and even though you're making um a good amount of money you're you know it's it's strenuous and you have to be somewhere so it's a beautiful thing now, with all the success that you're having and the best is yet to come, you are still, you know, um, young into your, your 20s. What is a community give back that you are doing or that you would like to do in the future? Hmm. Um, so I think uh, so something that I did, I, <laughs> I'm not going to mention uh, half of it because I already did it. And it's a thing. Again, this is one of those things where if you know, you know. Um, but something that conferences do sometimes is that they're inaccessible to uh, the local community. Um, they price their tickets at outrageous rates. And I understand it's to attract a certain clientele. Um, like Bitcoin 2021, I think they started their tickets off at like 99 bucks or 199 And a lot of them they gave out at the beginning. But as we got closer to the event, I think the regular tickets, they price up to $1,000. So by the time the community, like the local community, catches up to what's going on, it becomes inaccessible to them. Um, so like something that I've always like wanted to do uh, is just throw more uh, accessible, large scale events like conferences. Um, you know, one thousand, two thousand, three thousand people uh, at a time, um, and just have it fully sponsored run because these a lot of these you know conferences are making enough money to just uh, for the sponsors. Some of these these companies are charging sponsors $40,000 just to put their brandies on an elevator. <laughs> so, you know, when you think about it that way, it's like, all right, you guys could have afforded to pay for a few, you know, admission tickets. And it's not like you were giving people lunch anyways. <laughs> so um, th those are things, like, to me that matter because, uh, you know, there's people who will come out. I've met a lot of people, even, like, at, at a mining conference I did not too long ago. There was people who are coming. It's not, it's not so much who's in the industry anymore because anyone can be in the industry. Anyone who's interested can all of a sudden pop up and that's the entire world. Um, so just making things more accessible to the community is really um, my driving force. Um, that's why I do uh, a lot of like, you know, mini free events um, where there are, there, they are sponsor funded, but they're, they're free for the public because, you know, it, it only costs like a thousand dollars to put the events on per se. Um, and the sponsor will just cover everything as long as the community is just learning because that that would be a, a positive, you know, um, a positive outcome for them if, if the new people came in, new people learn, new people understand and use your product. Um, so just just having more um, large scale conferences where people can, you know, understand and, and go to where, where tickets are five, 10, 15 bucks, something that's not crazy, something that's super affordable. Um, and something that you can just, you know, go and, and learn. Because again, the barrier entry is education. And that's that's really where it's at. Definitely, definitely. And there's communities, you know, so, so many, um, black, brown, and everything in between in uh, your area who could really benefit from, from that. And so I want you to let people know, because I have something I want to tell you off air, uh, where they can find you, connect, learn more, and, you know, pay for that um, great wisdom and knowledge that you have. Um, so best place to find me technically is Twitter. Uh, their crypto Twitter is a thing. <laughs> um, very interesting place. So if you want to find like the most amount of crypto people, go to Twitter. Uh, and all my, uh, 
at is at the at the BTC Queen uh, is my at name, uh, and you can also find me on Instagram as well. Uh, Instagram, I, I kind of fell back a little bit, it, just in social media in general, because yeah, the the sad truth is you kind of become a target when you influence in this space. Um, not only by people impersonating you and you know scamming your friends, but also people go, oh, she's into crypto, she must be rich, <laughs> and then you know they kind of like look at you like you won the lottery. And unfortunately, when people won, win the lottery and their information is public, some of them end up dead. <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows that. <laughs> so um, because of that, I kind of fell back, and that's that's another reason why I don't usually use my last name. I, I keep it very like candid, have a pseudonym going. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on, um, Instagram. That's probably like the best places to uh, get in contact with me. Uh, depending on, uh, what you're looking for. Again, I do a lot of advising for different companies, um, whether you're interested in NFTs or you're interested in, um, uh, general education and, uh, onboarding. Um, I do a lot of private consultations. I have a lot of private clients. So if you send me a message, I will do my best to accommodate your needs. Awesome. You guys have been blessed with the game. If you do nothing else, share the game. It will change somebody's life. Be blessed. Hi, everyone. Have you ever been curious about visiting Africa? Which African country were you interested in? Kenya, Nigeria, Uganda, South Africa, Ethiopia? Which country are you interested in? My good friend, Kellen Cash Coleman, came up with a course called My First Trip to Africa that'll guide you through this process. It's only $20, and in this course, you'll learn about passports, visas, vaccinations that you need before you go there, as well as a budget, uh, how much the trip is going to cost. He also talks about what you should pack, uh, what you should take with you, how you should travel on a budget. Did you know that $100 US is worth 1,000 South African rand and over 10,000 Kenyan shillings? So imagine what you can do with $100 back home. I say back home because I'm from Sudan, I'm African. I already know how it's like. I know that, you know, when you convert Canadian and American money, it goes a long way when you're traveling across Africa. So if you're curious, um, if, if Africa is a place that you've always wanted to go, always wanted to move there, Kellen Cash is the person to ask. Check out the course. There's a little preview you can listen to. Um, before you actually purchase it. If you're interested in this course, visit www.diversifiedgame.com. Don't miss out. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifygame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.